0: Welcome to Dishing the Science with Dr. Sue. I'm your host, Dr. Sue Peterson. I'm a Canadian physician, a specialist in endocrinology and metabolism, and a diplomat of the American Board of Obesity Medicine. I draw on my over 20 years of clinical experience and my extensive research background to examine the complex issues surrounding weight management, diabetes, and overall health. Thanks for joining us today. Hi everyone, and thanks for joining me on DrSue.ca. That's DRSUE.ca. Today we're talking about why so many people stop their weight management medication. With the emergence of newer and more effective medications, coupled with social and lay media spreading the word at a furious pace, use of these treatments has reached a previously unsurpassed level. So how long do people stick with their weight management medication, and why does it matter? A recent retrospective cohort study gives us updated data on this topic from 2015 to 2022, evaluating electronic health records from an American database. The purpose of the study was to determine how many people stuck with their initial weight management medication at 3, 6, and 12 months. The medications evaluated were naltrexone bupropion, which is contrave, semaglutide 2.4 mg, which is wagovi, and they also evaluated off-label use of semaglutide as ozempic, which is approved for type 2 diet. Diabetes, liraglutide three milligrams, which is Saxenda, and they also evaluated off-label use of loraglutide as Victoza, approved for type two diabetes. They looked at orlistat, which is Xenical, and fenoterminopiramide, which is Qsymia, and that one's not available in Canada. Tirzepatide, which is Mounjaro, approved for type two diabetes, was not included in the analysis because it was first approved in the U.S. in 2022 and subsequently approved as ZEP-bound for obesity just a couple months ago in November 2023. The study identified over 1,900 people who filled a prescription for weight management medication. The average age of these people was 44, the median baseline body mass index was 38, three quarters were female, three quarters were white, and 84% had private health insurance. A quarter of patients were prescribed semaglutide, about a third naltrexone bupropion, about a quarter fentramine topiramate, 14% liraglutide, and just 1% with orlistat. They found that 44% were persistent with their obesity medication at three months, only 33% at six months, and only 19% at the one-year mark. The lowest persistence at one year was with naltrexone bupropion at 10%, and the highest was with semaglutide at 40%. Persistence at one year was markedly better for those prescribed weight management medication later during the study timeframe, like 2022, than earlier, for example, 2015. Persistence at one year also varied by the insurance carrier for those who were privately insured, but was not associated with age, ethnicity, gender, neighborhood socioeconomics, or comorbidity index, which is an index of other health conditions. For those who were persistent with treatment at six months, each 1% increase in weight loss at six months was associated with a 6% greater likelihood of persistence with treatment at one year. People who were persistent with their obesity medication at one year experienced a mean 10% weight loss, while those who stopped treatment experienced only a 2% weight reduction. So why do people stop their weight management medication? Well, these data give some hints as to why, but here is my expanded list of six reasons. Number one, lower efficacy of older treatments. While we were excited to see an average weight loss of 5% with older treatments, newer treatment options are getting well into double-digit weight loss for many people. This might partially explain why persistence with semaglutide was higher in this study. We know from the ACTION studies, which was conducted in Canada, and disclosure, I was a co-author on that study, also in the US and globally, that people with obesity wish to lose an average of about 19% weight, so newer treatments are coming closer to these goals. Reason number two. Patients may not be advised what results to expect from weight management medication. Sometimes people who have started treatment haven't been advised how much weight loss is typically seen with a particular medication, nor how long it takes to get there. It's also important that people understand that weight loss varies greatly from one person to the next. Number three cost, access, and insurance, or lack thereof. While the cost of medications varies greatly by country, with USA topping the list, these treatments are expensive everywhere. Some people who are having success with treatment just can't afford to take it long-term. Many insurance companies are also making it harder to get weight management medication paid for. The global shortages of these medications is forcing discontinuation in many cases, and uh, much more on global shortages uh, in my blog. There's a link in my in my blog on drsue.ca. Number four, side effects. Obesity medications have potential side effects. You can read about these in our Canadian 2022 Obesity Guidelines Pharmacotherapy chapter. Disclosure, I'm a lead author on that chapter. You can read more on updates since 2022 by searching each medication in the search box at the top right of drsue.ca. While some people simply do not tolerate particular medications, side effects can often be navigated with good support in titrating medication and finding strategies to manage mild side effects, which tend to be more common earlier in treatment with semaglutide, liraglutide, and naltrexone bupropion. Reason number five: People may not be advised that weight management medication is intended to be long-term, just as for any chronic medical condition. When weight loss medication is stopped, weight almost always goes back up, and there's a link to more information on that in today's blog post. The <laughs> cat I think the improvement in persistence in later years of the study may in part reflect a better understanding of the need to treat long-term. And finally, reason number six, people may not be informed of the health benefits beyond weight loss, and click on a link in my blog for more on those health benefits. We're learning so much about the benefits of these medications to improve other health issues like blood sugar control, diabetes prevention, fatty liver disease, heart failure, sleep apnea, cardiovascular risk, with some of these benefits being independent of the amount of weight loss. So even if the numbers on the scale are not meeting the person's individual goals, with education on health benefits and a reframe of goals to encompass those benefits, I would expect to see better persistence with treatment. So the bottom line here is that persistence with weight management medication remains poor, though it's improving in more recent years. Supporting people on these treatments to frame expectations, understand health benefits, and need for long-term treatment, navigate side effects, and advocate for long-term access can pave the way for better persistence in the long run. As a disclaimer, I receive honoraria as a continuing medical education speaker and consultant from the maker of semaglutide and loraglutide, which is Novo Nordisk, uh, which is Bausch, and trisepatide, which is Eli Lilly. I am or have been an investigator in clinical trials of semaglutide, loraglutide, and trisepatide. That's it for now, guys. Uh, thanks for listening. Drsue.ca, D-R-S-U-E C-A. Thanks for listening to Dishing the Science with Dr. Sue. For more information about current hot topics and science relating to obesity, diabetes, and overall health, check out the show notes for links and visit drsue.ca. That's d-r-s-u-e.ca. Don't forget to leave a review and subscribe to this podcast on your favourite listening platforms. Medical discussion on this podcast is of a general nature only, not designed to give specific medical advice to individuals nor their individual healthcare providers, and is intended for a Canadian audience.